June 21, 2021. Pop star sensation, Britney Spears, testifies in a California court against her father on her 13-year occupation in his conservatorship role. I work seven days a week, no days off, which in California, the only similar thing to this is called sex trafficking, making anyone work, work against their will, taking all their possessions away, credit card, cash, phone, passport card, and placing them in a home where they they work with the people who live with them. They all, they all lived in the house with me, the nurses, the 24-7 security. They watched me changed every day naked, morning, noon, and night. Um, my body, I had no privacy door for my um, for my room. I gave eight gals of blood a week. If I didn't do any of my meetings and work from ten, um, eight to six at night, which is 10 hours a day, seven days a week, no days off, I wouldn't be able to see my kids or my boyfriend. I never had a say in my schedule. They always told me I had to do this. And ma'am, I will tell you, sitting in a chair 10 hours a day, seven days a week, it ain't fun. And especially when you can't walk out the front door. And that's why I'm telling you this again two years later. After I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy, it's a lie. I thought I just maybe I said that enough. Maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. You know, fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry, it's insane. And I'm depressed. I cry every day. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't think how the state of California can have all this written in the court documents from the time I showed up and do absolutely nothing. Just hire with my money another person to keep and keep my dad on board. Ma'am, my dad and anyone involved in this conservatorship and my management who played a huge role in punishing at me when I said, no, ma'am, they should be in jail. <laughs> True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet, your source for exhaustive investigations into anything socially deviant, scientifically unexplainable, horrifically sinister, and, if we get lucky, criminal. My name is Thad Helsley, and in today's episode, I am pleased to welcome back two veteran guests of our previous podcast, From the Cheap Seats. First, David Grover, who is an attorney and founding partner of the firm Grover and Fensterstock PC. Listeners who have continued to follow us from the earlier pod will remember David as one of three very popular guest hosts called the Mets Mob. David has been selected in both 2020 and 2021 as a New York Metro Super Lawyer by Thomson Reuters. His spouse, Jill Grover, is also a veteran of the Cheap Seats Pod. She's a 28-year educator in the New York public school system teaching ENL. Together, they have two children and reside on Manhattan's east side. Between these two amazing Grovers, we hope to give you a complete view of this timely legal and moral issue. And last but not least, we are joined by our feisty artificial intelligence in Benice. Inspired by this affair, my attorney and I are currently examining whether I can put you in a conservatorship under my control. That's probably not a bad idea, Bernice. I may need around-the-clock oversight at this point. But in the meantime, let's get into our episode. 
Hey, welcome back, David and Jill. How are you two? Hey, Thad. Happy to be here. We're doing great. Always happy to be on any show you are producing. So happy to be back, too. Um... <laughs> good, good. So just, you know, I both you guys live in New York City. And uh, I know it's kind of an aside, but I'm, I'm told things are slowly returning to normal. Broadway opened a couple of weeks ago. I mean, what do you guys feel? Is, 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 are those reports true? Uh, I've definitely seen a lot more people uh, on the streets. Uh, people are walking around. The corners are more crowded. Uh, the interesting elements are definitely back in, uh, I would say, midtown and, and doing interesting things. <laughs> the, the interesting elements? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're rated explicit, so you don't have to think G-rating if there's something. I was going to say. Uh, no, no, nothing, no, no sexual anything. Just okay. people throwing books and, and, and yelling and talking to themselves and just just very, very interesting. And people you don't want to really be near because they might be a little disturbed. <laughs> we have some of that. We do have some uh, a rough element right now or an interesting element in this town. But the bars are busy. The mm. restaurants are busy. Boarding events are busy. So we're getting back to normal. But there's still a little, little trepidation, I think, with a lot of us with this variant, with the Delta variant still out there. I don't think we're completely comfortable yet, but it's starting to feel a little bit more like yeah. it did, which is great. Are you like here, you know, after the Delta thing kind of, you know, reemerged, you know, there was a brief period in the summer where I could go into places and not wear a mask. And now any public place, any a restaurant or a Starbucks or any uh, establishment has a big giant sign in the door says you have to wear a mask. It recommends wearing masks. Uh, If you're not vaccinated, they highly recommend it. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's recommended almost everywhere, but whether people actually comply these days, eh, you know, less and less. Right. So, guys, uh, in today's episode, we're going to discuss the case of Britney Spears, the millionaire pop star, versus Jamie Spears, her 69-year-old father. Bernice, can you summarize the facts of the case for us? Certainly. Brief clip courtesy of the Universal Music Publishing Group. Britney Spears is an internationally known pop music singer and performer that rocketed to fame in 1999, with the best-selling debut album in music publishing history, Baby One More Time, at the age of only 16. In numerous quarters, her controversial brand, that explicitly sexualized a teenage girl, was heavily criticized. But those protests did not seem to dampen her extraordinary record sales. At the same time, young girls and women around the world flocked to her albums and concerts. Today, at 39, she has gone on to collectively sell over 100 albums, exceeding records set by the Beatles and Michael Jackson. Thanks, Bernice. A lot of our listeners probably remember what you just related, including her ubiquitous Pepsi commercials on every TV channel at the time. The entertainment world seemed to bow at her feet even though she was only in her early 20s in the 2000s. So what was her downfall? In 2008, her immense fame had taken a psychological toll on her. She fell into drug abuse and displayed erratic behavior, including shaving her head to baldness and attacking paparazzi. Both her behavior and addictions eventually resulted in the loss of custody of her two children to her second husband. 
Finally, her father Jamie Spears, was prompted to legally impose a California law, named conservatorship, which gave him the power to force her into rehabilitation. She emerged from rehab with a clean bill of health less than a year later but was still being monitored. Despite achieving and maintaining sobriety, the conservatorship continued for an additional 12 years. Inexplicitly, over the years, increasingly severe restrictions were imposed on her freedom, ordered by her father Jamie. This included around-the-clock monitoring by a security detail, restrictions on when she could leave her home, bugging of her cell phone in her bedroom, and a forced IUD implant so she was unable to have children. Additionally, Mr. Spears also had power of attorney over her $60 million fortune. In June 2021 Brittany petitioned the California court, that oversees her conservatorship, to have Jamie removed as guardian and eventually be prosecuted criminally. Wow, that's big stuff, Bernice. Thank you. So David, maybe you can help kick this off for us, but first I wanted to congratulate you on your recent award. You're one of the best lawyers in New York City, is that correct? Well, I mean, uh, thank you, Thad. I'm one of a number. I was named, I was uh, very happy and humbled to be actually be named Super Lawyer. That's pretty cool. That's over here in uh, New York. Yeah, it was very exciting. A lot of hard work went into it. Um, as you know, we do personal injury for the most part where we are. So that's uh, always a busy and exciting field to be in. And uh, yeah, so it was a very, very nice, nice award we received uh, the other day. And actually, I should also add one of my associates here received Super Lawyers Rising Star. So it's not just me. We have a nice team here and uh, we work together. And Well, that makes it uh, uh, just extra great that you're able to comment on a case that is so heavily grounded in uh, the law. I, you know, I don't know if it's constitutional law, but it certainly is kind of a perplexing thing. So I guess maybe we should just get into it. So this case revolves around this California conservatorship law. Uh, maybe you could we uh, explain a little bit. I mean, Bernice talked about the the case between her father, but but about the law itself. What is it and how did they apply it to Britney Spears, who was just sort of your run-a-day drug addict pop star? Yeah, it, it's really very fascinating, very tragic. So this is something, the term is more of a California term, a conservatorship. Okay. In most of the country, or at least in New York, it's called a guardianship. Ah, right? Okay. Now, these things are typically used for, for example, maybe elderly people with dementia, things like that. People right. People function in society. Right. Um, very unusual to have a person like Britney Spears subject to this. Now... Maybe the reason this happened back in 2008, I mean, she was going through some very difficult times. She had um, a custody battle. She had some drug issues, reportedly. Um, she had some mental breakdown. She was in apparently in the institution. Um, she had some very public, um, shall we say, scandals um, out there. And I think she was also with some men who were supposedly domineering, maybe affecting her income. She had some financial issues back then as well. So I think maybe in the beginning, as strange as it was, maybe there was some good intentions involved. Maybe she did need it. And so they basically take over her life, right? There's two parts to it. There's guardianship over the person, which is her life, and then guardianship over her finances. And they had both. So mm. they, for the last 13 years, have controlled every part of her life, every nickel she has, Everything she does, everywhere she goes, everybody she speaks to. 
It's uh, it's a drastic, drastic measure, and we, sh- you know, none of us should. We shouldn't take this lightly because it is, in essence, slavery in in, in a certain respect. Well, and that's like what you said. The you know, in my little research, it was the law was originally written to protect senior citizens with dementia or people with mental illness who could harm themselves or others. How did they project this onto? So, I mean, Hollywood is a place with lots of drug addicts, right? I mean, we know we could just list like all the actors we can think of and the pop stars and Whitney Houston and everything else. And that, this never happened to them. How did this happen to her? Well, she had a domineering father, supposedly. Okay. Uh, a dominating family. She was around dominating men, whether it was boyfriends or managers. And I think it all came, it came to fruition, I think, with A, I think she was having financial problems somehow. So maybe that was a reasonable reason. She also had those, just a horrible custody battle with the uh, infamous uh, Kevin Federline uh, issues, that dancer who worked for her many years ago. Right. So... That brought things out. And then they had to go to her house and they had to drag her out in gurneys um, a couple of times, I believe, because she was having a breakdown. She wouldn't turn the kids over to her ex for visitation. Or actually, she was actually she's the one who had the supervised visitation. She would not turn over one of her kids. The police had to come take the kid from her forcibly and then drag, drag her out in the gurney. So things were definitely out of control. Maybe there were better ideas. But, you know, and there are certain things we probably don't know about that went on behind the scenes because the family has been relatively quiet about it. I think they have to be. There are certain privacy restrictions to what they could tell us. But, yeah, I think that and also when you look at this, is she's such a public person and had such a public breakdown. I think that is why this happened to her as opposed to other people. But couldn't they have just committed her to a rehab clinic until she got a clean bill of health? I mean, haven't they done that with other people like Robert Downey Jr. or what have you? You know, basically put them in an institution until, you know, a doctor says they're okay. Which, but then when they walk out the door, they're still a free person. You know, they're not under, you know, they're not like in a Nazi prison for the next 13 years of their life. Well, I think because in this case, it involved more, not only, I don't think the, the main component was the drugs or alcohol. I think it was the mental incapacity. Okay, so that's what they're saying. So as opposed to, yeah, yeah. Be- yeah, I think that, that that's what it was. But, but, you know, my counter to that is that she's an extraordinarily high-functioning individual. You know, she writes, I mean, over this period, this 13-year period, she writes and produces most of her music. She directs and choreographs these gigantic shows in Vegas and stadiums around the U.S. She's in charge. I mean, I've been in the entertainment media business my whole life. I can't possibly do what she does. I mean, if you've ever like watched a YouTube video of those shows, I mean, it's extraordinarily complex work, right? And that's what makes this so much more remarkable. You never see this in situations like this when someone's a successful whether it's an entertainer or a business person, you don't see it when they're this successful, this competent, and functioning at this such such a high level. But but I think that's that's the dichotomy here is that her personal life was a disaster, and I'm guessing, don't know this for a fact because not everything's public, that they probably thought she was a danger to herself 
maybe to her kids and certainly to her massive wealth. I think that might have been a big part of it as well. But if you listen to her testimony, she she speaks pretty well. I mean, it, she spoke really quickly when she was speaking to the judge, but she had a lot of evidence that would make it that she should not be under a conservatorship. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, she was very articulate. I mean, she wasn't. She didn't sound like Charles Manson or no, some you didn't. know whack job like that. But um, and and Jill, I was actually just about to turn to you because you know we really wanted you to bring us sort of the female point of view of this situation because. You know, there there may be a day in the future when you will be 39 as Brittany is now, but um, <laughs> you also teach yeah. young people. Yeah. So when my daughter was in elementary school, she looked up to Brittany as like a giant hero. She just, she worshipped her, you know, and then later there was Taylor Swift and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this kind of treatment of her by her own father, you know, sounds like the Taliban. I mean, how does a young woman interpret this kind of a thing? How could this be possible in America? I just think there are a couple, uh, more than a couple of sides to this. You know, he's her, she, he's her dad. And he probably saw something that, where she needed help. She was going, like David said, the custody battle, mental breakdowns. And if someone is going through a mental breakdown, they really can't think for themselves. And if she was taken out on gurneys and her kids had to be taken away because maybe she was harming them or would have been harmful to them because of her mental state, then it was right that he he had um, taken control, not permanently. I mean, I think 13 years is absolutely... Well, that's the thing. It's like if it had been a year or two, but 13 years... And then all the allegations of extortion of money from her estate. And, but, and also uh, her bedroom was bugged. Yes. And oh, my that, God. That, and, the, and, the, and like the IUD planted in her body well, so right. she is yeah. not yeah. able well, to reproduce anymore. Right, from having more children so she they could control her body so that she, could, be, she could do more, more performances. And it shouldn't have been – it should not have gone that long. There was There's definitely more to it. And actually – that's why her lawyer did not want to end the conservatorship that day. He wants to go in. He wants to look for more information and see what they're hiding. He really thinks they're hiding something, and there's much more to it than just she had mental illness. She couldn't take care of herself. And I agree with you. She was articulate, but also she was choreographing everything. She was paying people. Uh, she... Even they said she even voluntarily went under the conservator conservatorship, but she, I don't think she realized it was going to be for 13 years. I think she thought it would be for a couple of years until she just straightens everything out and just feels emotionally and psychologically better. But once it went on, it's almost like she was under a spell and she couldn't even get out of it. That's what it seems like. She was almost brainwashed to believe that she had to stay in it because she could have gotten out of it, but they, she didn't know she could. Well, both of you guys are parents. You have children. I mean, um, and, and, you know, at least one is in college. I think, Jill, did you say three children? 
Yeah, our son is in college. Our daughter is in uh, 11th grade. Yeah. Okay. So can you imagine, no matter what kind of trouble they got into, became a drug addict, whatever, turned into Anthony Bourdain at 20 or something, but can you imagine imposing this kind of a thing on your own children for a period this long, 13 years? No, no, no. You have, I think one has to um, refer to doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists. It's an ongoing process. It's not something that's, okay, I'm taking my over my kid's life and that's the end of it. They have to grow. They have to learn. And, and people's, people change over time. I just know from myself, you know, when I was 20, I was one way. When I was 30, I was another way. And I'm much older than that now. And No, you're not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll always be 28 to us. So. Actually, I feel 28. <laughs> I certainly am not that chronologically. But every, I think, 10 years – a person just evolves and they change and they learn and they grow. And, and there's no, there, I just wouldn't do that to my kid. They, they have to experience life for themselves. They need guidance. And if they're in trouble, we will help them out as much as they need. But I think we have to take a step back and let them have their own experiences. David, what do you think? In terms of kids, you know something? Your kid, I'm talking about your kids. The original question was like, could you conceive of yourself, no matter what they did, of doing this? No, I, I would disagree because if I was concerned about their well-being, nothing well, no, would stop I, me from helping I, I didn't. I, would, I, I mean, there are, they could hurt we them. have the same children. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, of course we would do These that. folks are married, Five. You didn't yeah. hear the, the introduction. <laughs> We would do anything to help our kids, especially if it's going to save their lives. But I think to the point where it's for 13 years and if we see, I think we're open-minded. That's where I'm going with this. I, we're open-minded people and I don't think that we're so, we don't, I don't think we have tunnel vision where if we see that they're, you know, blossoming and they're, they're getting better, we're going to say, nope. We still think that, you know, we're your parents and we're going to control you for the rest of your life. I don't, lives, I don't think we would do that. Do, do you see where I'm, I, I see where you're, what you're saying, David, but. No, but see, but what, make, what makes this worse is, and, and, and very different, you know, you know, the expression, follow the money. Jerry right? McGuire. Well, that's what's kind of going on here. The dad is making 16000 a, a month from this. Yeah, he's made millions, supposedly. Lawyers, people who work for this entity. Um, there's she, and of course, she's funding it all, which is right. Every everything that he, every person he hires to watch her or to supervise her is deducted from her estate. Which is and, and his, his lawyers, lawyers too. Yeah, are paid by her estate. Her lawyers, who she doesn't even hire, he hires. Is that legal? You know, it, it gets kind of funky. Technically. No, it's not legal. But if she's if she's considered um, without capacity, then it gets a little trickier, right? So no for a person. But that goes back to how can she – look, if you're in a wheelchair and you're vegetative, you know, and you've got saliva dripping down your chin and not in a Vegas show, which generates 
millions of dollars a year where you've got 20 people running around for two hours and doing all that stuff that she herself choreographed. You can't really say, okay, this person is like not functioning. This is, I mean, can you, I mean, she could argue that, right? Well, yes. Okay. In a way, I think you could. Okay. I'm not, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Please. Because I'm not going to defend this, but picture her, for example, as, as if she was a 12 year old girl. Okay making millions and millions of dollars well actually she probably i think when she started she yeah. pretty much w- was a teenager she was wasn't she the Mickey Mouse club. a little bit older than that but yeah so but at the time we would all agree that she would need right. some kind of guardian right i mean she shouldn't be allowed to spend her millions so i think that's sort of the point was just because you're functioning financially um doesn't mean you have you don't have issues you don't have you you have the capacity to function as an adult especially with person of this type of so fortune. So what you're saying is basically he has the right, the dad has the right to control her life because of the finances. No, I just think that complicates things a little bit. And it, that, sh- that should not be the case. And I would hope, but it smells bad because of the money. Because Did he exceed? Money it really does. And some of these things you're doing are, are bizarre, are disturbing, right? Like you said, the IUD they forced in her. The... the um, yeah. The, the bedroom the phone listening, yeah. phone listening. Phone. Um, that was controlled, yeah. whether she could use the phone or not, whether yeah, she w- could post on Instagram yeah. or not. Right, right. And, and what bothered me too is they forced her to work, if you believe what she said. She was exhausted. She needed time off. She mm. had a lot of money. And they said, you have to go to work. That was, that, that was very, very concerning. On the other side of things, listening to her speech in court clearly not written by an attorney right not edited by an attorney she said and it was very powerful but she said a few things that were a little bit disturbing right i thought she did what were they i didn't like that she said i am against therapy somebody who is by most accounts mentally ill and she had a rough life not a lot of it not her doing against therapy and that that you don't want to hear especially if you're a judge trying to decide a case like this and then she said something that i think would uh i mean you don't have to be an attorney to see this she said i want this um dissolved i want this conservatorship terminated immediately without me being evaluated she did say that yeah so think about that for a second this thing was established because she apparently had some kind of mental um issues and capacity and now she's saying i want you to terminate it without even checking on me see how i'm doing although didn't she say that you know the first time around the first of all was so invasive it in and of itself was damaging to her because of its invasiveness oh Oh, and it's also it was in public. It was almost in the. Or is that just a bullshit argument? In her house, she had to go to the therapist's office, and then the paparazzi was there. And it's none of their business. It's a very private matter. And she wanted to do the session in her house, and they said, "Nope, not going to do it." So. Oh, horrible, horrible! But she should. But she should have just simply said that. I mean, they need. She needs therapy, apparently, and the court has to evaluate her. They're not going to say, "Okay, bye bye. We're terminating this today." Hopefully you're fine. I mean, they're not going to do that. No, th- yeah. I mean, that's got to be part of it. But, you know, it 
like you, except for David, who probably now has to deal with paparazzi when he leaves the office. There's just flash bulbs going off and everything. Just follow him around. He's running down alleys with a, you know, <laughs> with sunglasses. But you know, it's hard to imagine. I mean, everybody probably would if you ask them, "Hey, do you want to be rich and famous?" Hell yeah, yeah. Why not? Except when you get there, you know. Let's say. We're going to do another episode on Anthony Bourdain. Dude killed himself. He was just like, you know, just one of the most phenomenal people who came from nothing. Former heroin addict, you know, it was just kind of a, a, a just a cook line, uh, low two star chef. But I don't know those. I mean, you got to give some don't you have to give some leverage to that that pressure? The same way we do for any other kind of mental illness or people coming back from war with PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I think she had a rough life. I think she had a domineering, difficult father. I think she had to live a, you know, it seems like a, a beautiful life she had, but it was very difficult. And like you said, people suffer in this life. And there's a reason why she's gone from boyfriend to boyfriend, domineering boyfriend to boyfriend. There's a reason why she's that's had this breakdown. Probably also that's all she knows. That type of male, that role, I wouldn't call him a role model, but that type of male presence in her life since she was little all the way to, to now. And it's it's affected her relationships with men. Um, I mean, she it's, it's it's ironic that she has two boys. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's interesting that she has two sons. Yes. God's um, justice. Uh, maybe, um, yeah, possibly. It, it, you know, honestly, I find this very sad. I find it kind of tragic. I mean, she seems, by all accounts, uh, probably a woman, but she has a lot of issues. And so now, you know, we get to the point where I guess she might want to get to later is, well, what is the answer? But oh, there was another part, though, in her in her speech that she was saying that they were they put her on lithium. That stuff is powerful, and that could really change your whole uh, um, uh, uh, emotional well-being. So, what, you know, why why go from, you know, a day-to-day medication? Now, I don't know what she was taking, but they were saying, oh, well, she didn't want to take it anymore. Well, how, the, the people who were who gave it to her were the same people every morning. And then in the evening when they, at her show, they said, oh, here, take the medication. And, well, you're not the people who give me my medication. And then they wanted to change it to lithium. There's something to that too. I mean, that'll just really, I think it just, I don't know, that dumbs you down, but I think it just takes your whole thought process out. Wasn't that used uh, as a recreational drug in like the early 20th century by guys like Picasso and all those people? I mean, is it still used as a medicine? I thought it was the 80s. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that too. Oh, is that what happened? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's the excuse. Mm Yeah. So, David, does she? So, so apparently, what happened last week at the trial was the judge said, "Okay, we're removing Jamie Spears as the head of the conservatorship. We're keeping the conservatorship, and I guess they're at least provisionally, temporarily putting in this new guy that her lawyer suggested. But the conservatorship is still there. So, I guess the first question is, and then, and and her lawyer." You know, they were allowed her to have her own lawyer that she picked herself as opposed to one that her father picked yeah. uh, as a as as the result of that hearing earlier in the summer. 
when she gave that 20 minute speech. But, and so he's, he's saying he wants to file criminal against Mr. Spears. Yeah, they're going to be able to pull that off. I mean, can she really retaliate or seek reparations against him? Well, remember, there's two types of reparations, right? There's okay. criminal and there's civil. Okay, criminal is not up to not up to her. Obviously, that'll be up to the district attorney of uh, Los Angeles. Okay. okay, did he commit crimes? Did he commit financial crimes by uh, the way he managed her money? Did he take money he shouldn't have taken? Right. Exactly. That's the easiest. That is what is being alleged, right? Yeah, and you know she's probably looking for other types of crimes and an abuse, uh, an abuse of, of his job, the way he he dominated her, the way he essentially enslaved her, according to her. So I, I think that's what she's looking at. So that that's the one part. And the other part is there a civil case against him if he took money, mismanaged money, gave money to people he shouldn't have given to? That's a whole other thing, and that and that's much more realistic. I think is the the civil suit against her father. Okay. Okay. But in the, what do you guys think should happen at this point? I guess there's another hearing scheduled in November where they're going to figure out whether or not she should still be in a conservatorship and who should be the permanent person for that. What do you guys think should happen at this point? Well, I think she has to be reevaluated by an independent. Okay. So she has to go through an eval. Yeah, that 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 just has to happen, right? So there's there's different parts to this. This particular conservatorship does sound like a disaster. Okay, it sounds like a train wreck. It sounds abusive, and it, it probably shouldn't stay as is. Would you Would you change the law? I mean, I guess these are state laws and not federal laws, right? Would you change the law if you had your way? Yeah, I, I think seeing what happens here, I think they have to be regulated a lot more tightly. Like now, there's just a simple annual report you give to the court. I'm not sure. And I don't know how much the person who's a subject to this really gets to defend themselves. It gets tricky because do they have capacity or not? But I think there has to be much more oversight than just one judge and usually people in this part of these groups, they know there's a lot of, it's a little bit of an incestuous relationship sometimes in these courts where the judges appoint, you know, people to run these conservatorships or guardianships. They know, right. They socialize, they see them in court every day. So I think they have to be much more highly regulated and things should change. Could you be appointed? Could someone appoint you to do a job like this? If you're on a list, yeah, you have to get on a list depending oh, okay. on, on what's in the state, you know, what the state laws are. But yes, in theory, yes. But they have to change this. This is not working. This is abusive. This is slavery. That being said, she probably, and again, I didn't evaluate her. I'm not really qualified to give my diagnosis. But if she does have some kind of mental incapacity, it does have to be, there are other things they could do. They could do like a limited power of attorney. See, that's what I was thinking. That makes more sense. This is different, distinct from power of attorney, isn't it? Power of attorney versus conservatorship. Power of attorney is just is 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 more limited than conservatorship. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. And in terms of the uh, you know over her person, you know, dominating everything she does, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that re- you know you better you better prove that she needs that before you have mm-hmm. that. 
And if so, like you mentioned earlier, you know, maybe does she have to be institutionalized? Does she need certain psychiatric help? Maybe. But this particular conservatorship is terrifying. Hmm. It's too overreaching. Um, it's just, it's, it, yeah, she has absolutely no control of, over anything. And that's not fair. I mean, she, from what we heard, she sounds, I mean, not doctors, but she sounded uh, coherent when, aside from a couple of words that didn't, you know, <laughs> that were misheard. Uh, ID, she said, not IUD. She said Hugh, not huge. <laughs> so yeah, there were some. Well, there's the teacher coming out, huh? So yes, yeah, so I was like, mm, and she was speaking a mile a minute. I thought maybe she was nervous. I think maybe she wanted to get it all in, and she didn't want to be cut off. Well, I would be nervous too. You know, if I was going to speak 20 minutes in court when my life was in the exactly. line. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's one thing to do a show, but I mean, they rehearse it and they do it every single night, and you know, it's not like you know, standing in front of the judge. That's you know, Pretty nerve wracking. Well, I, th- I think she may have been on a phone. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Or she may have been on a phone reading from reading from a piece of paper. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay. But she was also very repetitive. There are so- she kept saying the same thing over and over uh, a few times throughout that speech to the to the judge. So that also kind of you know mispronunciations, repetitiveness. But she is on medication, isn't that correct? I mean, actual prescription medication. So she's not 100% sober. It may not be illegal drugs, but it's still something. Well, she says she has one person in the morning that gives it to her every single day. Right, right. Who is not actually even like in... I don't know if you guys listened to that podcast from the New York Times, but... They interviewed like one of her security guards for many, yeah. many years who was employed we by we, her. Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, why am I giving? I'm not, you know. This is um, not part of my job. You can't be giving medication to people. I'm not a nurse. I'm a security yeah, so, guard. There's, yeah, there's so I don't know. Yeah, there's that. It was weird. That's not right with this. Yeah, but you know, so, this, I'm wondering why you didn't hear from. During the last several years, and this was brought up by a number of people, her father is supposedly the villain here, right? But yet, you really haven't heard much from her sister, her mother. Mm. Um, and, and the question is, how come they're not out there vouching for her? It's one of two things, I guess, right? Either she really has mental issues they're worried about, or if you want to be a cynic, it's financial because they're in essence on the payroll as well. So yep. we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're all on the Maybe payroll. The I'm sure they deal with yeah, I didn't realize it, she even had a sister. She's oh, that. She's that ghosted, I guess. Oh, famous? Well, not not Britney famous. But I mean, our daughter watches, still watches, and it hasn't been on for years. It's called Zoe 101. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, shows my. Lack of pop uh, literacy. And yeah, but... and her sister, they had to end the show because the sister got pregnant. Hmm. Very, I don't know, she's 15 or Well, is the mom Ew. still married to Jamie? Mr. They, from what I understand, they tried to get an old years ago. They had a pretty bad relationship, um, potentially violent relationship. And I think they are technically still married. I'm guessing not blissfully. I did read that they were 
you know, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. They they stayed married for many years, and I think at Britney's urging, and probably financial uh, payment, they did eventually get divorced. Now that I remember, yeah, they were divorced over uh, a number of years ago. So I guess we're at least from my rundown, pretty much asked you guys everything that I could think of. Is there anything you guys think I missed that you would like to discuss? You think an important point that the listeners should know? Well, I thought it was interesting that she actually called for her father to go to jail for that. Right. Exactly. The, the attorney is, is going for blood. Yeah. She's very angry. And then she also said that when the therapist who was giving her the medication died, she got down on her knees and thank God for that. <laughs> yes. Was that in the testimony? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. She was very, yeah, she was very happy about that. Wow. Boy, what a bucket of poop. But um, <laughs> well, it's sad. Well, look. Um, I mean, well, obviously, we're not going to resolve this. Maybe we can do a follow up after the next hearing, uh, two months from now. But I really appreciate you guys coming in and helping our listeners figure out what this is. And I hope maybe you'll be, you know, regular guests on this podcast because we, we love the Grovers. We love the Grovers. <laughs> well, we're gaveling out on this episode, folks. I want to thank again our amazing guests, David and Jill Grover, for helping us dissect this ongoing scandal. Should you wish to reach David for legal advice, his contact information is in the liner notes of this episode. All you have to do is tap or click the links. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform. And we'd love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you. You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook, or Twitter. Or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheet. Copyright 2021, Thad Helsley Media, all rights reserved.